and welcome to the Investment Week podcast for April 2018. This month, we're talking about risk and portfolio protection. I'm your host, Jane Arana, and I'm Senior Asset Management Correspondent at Investment Week. Investment Week has been the premier publication serving professional investors in the UK since 1995. You can find out more about us by visiting www.investmentweek.co.uk. Risk is defined as a measure of the level of uncertainty of achieving the returns as per the expectations of the investor. Given we've been in a whirlwind of uncertainty over the last few years thanks to changing economic cycles, politics and rising, albeit slowly, interest rates, markets are seemingly more risky these days. So how do we deal with that risk and in terms of asset management, how can we protect our portfolios? Investment Week's asset management correspondent Mike Sheen will join me later to discuss the biggest macro events that have been a cause for concern so far this year, the general reaction to those risks and what we might expect going forward. But first, I'm joined by David Coombs, Head of Multi-Asset Investments at Rathbones, to talk about what's concerning him these days and how he's protecting his multi-asset portfolios. Good to see you again, David, and thanks for coming in. Morning. So what are the biggest risks to portfolios at the moment? Um, I think it's, it's politics, really, um, and the rise of popularist politicians and those that definitely have a more uh, interventionist agenda. Um, whether it's Donald Trump tweeting, Jeremy Corbyn talking about the ills of capitalism or the rise of the five-star movement in Italy, um, these are events that are on the forefront of investors' minds. And I think that is probably why we're seeing so much more volatility in both equity and bond markets this year. And how are you protecting your multi-asset range from those risks? Well, a variety of measures, really. I mean, different politicians bring different risks. Um, Firstly, given the valuation of equity markets as we went into the year, we felt it was prudent to buy some actual equity protection through put options. So we we hold uh, about 50% of our equity weightings against um, put options in the S&P 500. Um, But turning to more geopolitical risks, whether it's in the Middle East with um, the Going on in Yemen, for example, and the impact that may or may not have on the oil price, um, we've increased our exposure to commodities um, as a hedge against more inflationary policies coming through from certain politicians. We own some gold for the first time probably in, in some time. But our, our biggest um, exposure or safe haven at the moment is um, Australian government bonds. Um, we hold those hedged back to sterling. That's because Australian government bonds do particularly well when there is a growth shock for the global economy or if we just see global growth slowing. The problem with holding Australian bonds is that the Australian dollar tends to be highly correlated with risk assets. So to have a negatively correlated asset class in our portfolios, we need to have Australian government bonds, but without the Australian dollar exposure. And your funds range from sort of more cautious profile to a more riskier profile. How how are you protecting your portfolios based on those levels? So for the higher risk fund, the enhanced growth fund, which is predominantly equity driven, then the protection is almost all through put options, as I mentioned earlier. For the total return fund at the other end of the scale, the the most cautious fund, then we have a a portfolio of uh, risk off assets. Swiss franc corporate bonds, we own um, the Australian government bonds I mentioned earlier, we own gold, we own a number of CTAs, um, we also own some catastrophe insurance. I think the point is there are so many 
risks out there right now. So we are trying to identify different insurance policies, if you like, for those different risks, rather than just putting everything to gold, say, for example, and hoping that that would act as a hedge. Gold is a great deflationary hedge, but it's not a great inflationary hedge. And we're trying to combat both as the outlook is looking so uncertain. Um, so you say we have quite an uncertain outlook, but are you able to, to mention maybe some ideas of what we might expect going, going forward this year? Yeah, I mean, my view hasn't particularly changed since the start of the year. I, I, I anticipated um, greater volatility um, driven by two, two factors. One, because after a 10-year bull market in most asset classes, we were looking at valuations stretched almost everywhere, whether it was commercial property, whether it was uh, bond markets and bond spreads and certainly equity valuations. So um, although we've had a little bit of a pullback in most asset classes, it's still relatively speaking modest. Um, therefore, I think this volatility will continue. Um, hence, we're running high levels of protection right now. I don't see any reason to take that off. I also, uh, uh, forgot to mention, we, we have quite significant cash balances, which you definitely want to have during a period of volatility. Um, why do we have that volatility? Because uncertainty is very high. We've talked about the politics, but what I haven't mentioned, of course, in the UK, which is a local skirmish, which is Brexit, we still have no greater sort of clarity on what Brexit looks like for the UK economy. And whilst the some decisions are being forever put off, that just fuels the, the, the uncertainty, if you like. So it's very hard from a UK perspective to see any sort of um, smooth smoothing out of uh, market activity for probably for the next two years, to be honest. Um, and again, that's why we are focused more on overseas markets where we think, despite Mr. Trump's best endeavours, I do think we'll see a greater sort of... Um, clarity on, on economic activity. Great. Um, I'm sure we'll talk again soon to see how that all pans out and whether, whether you were right or wrong. We'll see. Um, thanks for coming in, David. Thank you. now joined by Investment Week's Mike to talk about the other macro issues that have had investors panicking this year and how markets expect these stories to pan out. Hi Mike. Hi Jenna. Yeah, so probably the biggest story we're talking about at the moment is to do with the fallout from the impending tariffs from the Trump administration. As one CIO put it to me this week, even the threat of a trade war is unambiguously bad for markets. Now at the end of March, US stocks actually saw their largest one-day gains in over two and a half years with the S&P 500 jumping 2.7% as concerns of that trade war eased. However, we're now seeing further details of the planned tariffs starting to come through, and you would probably expect China to respond soon. Um, markets are yet to notably react to this, so it's obviously an ongoing story. Uh, sticking with the US, you also have to look at the fallout from the Cambridge Analytica data scandal, uh, which saw the other big fang stocks follow Facebook's big decline. A lot of these losses have been clawed back since the scandal broke, but over the coming months, investors are likely to continue to be concerned about the potential for a regulatory clampdown on the sector. But the elephant in the room uh, of any regulation in the US, of course, is the relative size of the tech sector with US equity markets. So the volatility associated with this may not be over yet. And what about outside of the US? 
Going into 2018, the political risk associated with Europe had become a hot topic among a lot of asset managers, with various elections taking place across the continent. Uh, this had dissipated slightly after a few worst-case scenarios were avoided, but one major concern that persists is the fallout from the Italian election. With no party or group managing to secure power on 4th of March, asset managers are concerned that void could still be filled with a populist force which is pushing fiscal expansion. The issue here is the increase in spending would ring alarm bells for the European Central Bank, which is effectively helping Italy with its debt crisis. There's effectively an agreement in place where the Italians will keep a lid on spending and work to reduce that deficit, and if this agreement isn't reneged on, the ECB could move to stop buying Italian bonds, which has the potential to cause havoc across European markets. And what about a bit closer to home? We've got uh, further developments on the whole Brexit side of things. What's going on there? Yeah, obviously this risk isn't going away anytime soon. And, um, you know, we had the fact we successfully secured a transition agreement and that was welcomed across the financial sector. But there are a lot of questions that still need to be answered here. Asset managers still need that certainty as to what life will be like for the industry after the 21-month transition period after Brexit Day on 29 March 2019. They need to know where they stand with things like accessing EU markets, uh, employment, and to what extent they need to establish a continental base. Further speed bumps could come from EU Chief Negotiator Michel Barnier, who is putting pressure on the UK to get that deal signed. And of course, uh, UK MPs will have a vote on the final deal before it can be enacted. We're also beginning to see a shift in monetary policy. How is the industry reacting to that? Yeah, and it is worth bearing in mind that the global growth picture is, is looking positive at the moment. It's, it's, you know, it's looking more synchronised in that respect. But central banks are still wary that inflation remains above that 2% target, so interest rates are beginning to rise, beginning with the Fed in March. Um, and despite holding interest rates in 0.5%, the Bank of England adopted a more hawkish tone by hinting at a hike which would be needed somewhere earlier than expected. Uh, the concern here is, after such a long period of historically low rates, the impact of rate rises is a subject of debate. And at the end of last year, for example, uh, former IMF chief economist Ken Rogoff warned rising interest rates are the biggest threat to the world's economy and would open up what he called soft spots, places where there is a lot of debt which could start to unravel. Obviously, you combine this with the gradual end of post-crisis quantitative easing, and there are a lot of question marks for asset managers to face going into the rest of 2018 and beyond. Well, that's all we have time for today. Cheers, Mike. Cheers. We'd love to hear your comments as well as ideas for future podcasts or if there are any particular topics you'd like us to cover. You can contact me via email at jaina.rana at incisivemedia.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>